What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Gerald Valley, and this is The Drop-In. But you probably already knew that because you're here. This uh, show today, it, it totally is different from every other show we have ever done. And I'll tell you why in a few minutes. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in today. It has been an amazing summer. Uh, phenomenal so I, I I can't even I don't even know if you watched last week's episode it it blew my mind I'm sure you saw me in a little bit of a different light because that show we were on site at modern skate and surf for the 40th anniversary and the people that sat down with me are people that have watched my whole freaking life you saw Kevin stop Kevin Staub is a professional skateboarder I purchased more boards with his name on them than any other skateboarder on the planet. He wasn't even supposed to be there. And I turn around and I'm like, it's Kevin Stop. I had to sit out. I had to sit out. The goosebumps looked like the freaking surface of the moon. It was Kevin Stop. He sat down with me, said some of the nicest things ever, gave me a handful of stickers, some special stickers, and I don't even think I was walking on the ground after that. And I was tongue-tied. I'll be honest. I will be completely honest. You saw interviews where I maybe stumbled, fumbled over my words because I didn't even know what planet I was living on. And it was awesome, and you all got to share that. And so, thank you, thank you, thank you. The show, the drop-in here at NRM Studios, broadcast through nrmstreamcast.com, is over-exceeding expectations. We are in 29 countries. We are closing in on 100,000 views, and it's all because of you. All because of you. I get to sit here and have a good time and be my 14-year-old self, enjoy life, and bring you some of the most amazing guests on the planet. And it's you guys who are watching, you guys who are sharing, and you guys are the reason I do this. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say it enough. They don't make a word that can express the gratitude that I feel for each and every one of you who tune in to this show and just make it work, man, and make it work. And we're gonna continue, continue to bring you some amazing guests, upcoming guests. We got people who are starting companies that are just mind-blowing. We have a gentleman coming on who, who started a company with scraps from the automotive industry, and he's making high-end footwear and bags with military veterans. That is, uh, who thinks of that? But he's coming to visit with us here in the NRM studios. So I am going to continue to bring you the most compelling guests I possibly can with stories that you can relate to. And you will look at your life and say, I'm exactly where I want to be. Or you may look at your life and say, you know what, there's some place else I want to be and I can relate to that guy or that girl I saw on the drop-in. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me that message. That's why we do this show every week to inspire you to get off your damn couch and make life happen. This is not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot. And if you don't make the most of your life, it's your own damn fault. Nobody else. Nobody else. Personal accountability. I talk about it a lot. 
It's your fault if you're not where you want to be. And many of our guests here, you've seen them. You saw Jen Perry, 20 years in the corporate world and decided, I'm not where I want to be. Walked away, started a yoga studio, and is crushing it at life. You've seen that here on The Drop-In, and we are going to continue to bring you that message because I, I want to inspire as many people as I can to live the life that they imagine. That is a quote from Wayne Dyer, and I love Wayne Dyer, and he has some of the best quotes. One of the other quotes I want to, uh, you know, a little mull about is, the wake doesn't drive the boat. Your past isn't driving your boat. It's what you do from here forward. And I am living proof of that. So, thank you once again for being here today on The Drop-In. It is my pleasure to have with me some really, really phenomenal guests here today. I'll tell you what, it is uh, not often that I get to uh, introduce y'all to some four-legged friends. Uh, that are here in studio with us today, and you're like, "What? Well, four-legged friends? What? You? you know, he's got some like mutants from Mars or something." Because you never know what's coming. You never know what's coming here on the drop-in. But today, I have uh, Chloe, and I, I you're gonna see Chloe in a few minutes. She's an amazing little person, and I call them persons because I, I look at animals the way I don't know. Everyone I see, I talk to them like humans. I, I interact with them like humans. And today, I have Cindy Smith in studio and Lizzie. And um, and uh, we're going to talk service animals because it is a great, great, uh, I mean, uh, service animals do so much for the community, for every different walk of life. And it, it, when I heard about their story, I'm like, ooh, can we get them in? Can we get them in? That sounds good to me. But I did a little research for you. There was a little research for you, and it blew my mind that the first instance we know about of service animals is from 74 AD, almost 2,000 years ago. And during the time of the Roman Empire, uh, a frieze was discovered in the ruins of Pompeii that depicts a dog with a blind man. Service animals have been in use for almost 2,000 years. Like, what? That's crazy. That is crazy. They've been around that long. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I really, in my lifetime, haven't seen a ton of them until the last, like, decade or two. I, I haven't seen them around, you know. Maybe you didn't see them in the grocery store, in the airport, or walking through the mall. And now you see uh, animals helping humans all over the planet. You see, it's a regular, I mean, if you don't see one uh, once a week, I think that's a bit odd. So it's my pleasure to have in studio with me today, Cindy Smith. Cindy, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, how you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having us on today. I appreciate it. And you brought uh, a couple guests with you. Can you introduce them, please? I did. My daughter, Lizzie, and her service dog, Chloe. Uh, Lizzie is allergic to red dye 40, and Chloe can detect that. So it's the red dye food coloring. That is a a large part of the reason you're here today, because when I heard that, you know, you think of service dogs, and you think of maybe somebody whose vision is impaired. You think of, uh, that's what I think of the most, is helping a blind person or helping an an elderly person or, uh, you know, just those kinds of things. And when I heard about the dye, I'm like, what? Like, uh, and then some people are telling me they can smell things in blood. You had a great fact before we started. What was that? Something about a teaspoon of sugar? Yep. Dogs can smell the equivalent of a teaspoon of sugar in two Olympic-sized swimming pools. 
That is incredible. That is totally incredible. And and so we're going to get into that as we move along with this show. But I'd, I'd like to start where you started. Can you tell me about where you grew up, how your upbringing was? Uh, I grew up up in northern Michigan, a um, little town called West Branch. Uh, grew up there for, for the most part. Um, you know, my parents divorced when I was seven and my mom was going to college and we were in Mount Pleasant for a couple of years, but for the most part, we're, you know, northern Michigan. We have a driver tractor to school day kind of thing, you know. Um, and when I was 18, I came down this way, went to college, you know, got that wonderful college degree that I, I, I was one of those going into college and 18 and they're going, okay, what is your major? What are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, I don't know that this is what I'm going to want to do in two years or 10 years or, and you want me to pick now? Where were you going to school at? I started, um, well, actually my first year I did at a community college, you know, up there called Kirtland Community College and then came down here and went to University of Michigan in Flint and changed my major three times. I went from a physics major to uh, business administration to teaching. <laughs> That is quite a shift, you know. Physics, physics is pretty crazy. I, I'm a student of quantum physics. I, I like uh, the whole uh, idea of how your thoughts can control particles and waves and all that kind of thing. And um, so, to go from physics to business, you go from something that is sort of uh, I don't know, a little gray area, to something that's very solid, very structured, very one plus one equals two. Yeah. How do you make that transition? <laughs> it was well, so, as I was really evaluating, I loved physics. I, when I was my senior year of high school, I was really struggling in trigonometry. And once we got into, you know, all the mechanics and physics where you started putting the math together with it, it made everything make sense. Absolutely fell in love with it. So I'm like, yes, this is what I want to do. I find this really interesting. It's a lot of fun. I find myself two years in killing myself for bees. I mean, like 40 hours just in homework a week, that doesn't count the times you're in class, and, you know, pulling bees out of, you know, nowhere going, okay, that one, you know, finally, and I'm like, why am I doing all this? I don't want to teach high school, I don't want to get my doctorate, and I don't want to work in a lab. Mm-hmm. So at that point, what am I going to do with a degree in physics? Right. I'll give you guys a little tidbit about me. I thought I wanted to be a mortician. I wanted to be into mortuary science, right? And uh, as soon as I found out all the chemistry and stuff like that, I'm a creative. I, I draw and I paint. I like imagination. I'm like, yeah, no. I mean, I'm like, I thought it'd be cool. Maybe I was digging their outfit with a big top hat or something. I don't know. But I had to shift gears as soon as I figured out chemistry was involved. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it kind of one of those things. So I'm like, all right, we'll try out. We'll, we'll try out some business. That I find that interesting. You know, let's see what's. I was bored out of my mind. Mm. And I was like, okay. You know, the one that I had the most fun with was my business law class. I had a blast in that class because I think it was, you know, all that case study and figuring things out and, you know, finding all the little loopholes and things like that. And, you know, so I had a blast with that class. But then I'm going, okay, this isn't really what I want to do. And, so you know, having those, you know, little part-time jobs while you're going through college. I started working for our local school district in the early childhood program and um, in their before and after school programs. Absolutely loved it. Ended up, you know, assisting with summer school. I was the one that they would, you know, pull to go work in the classrooms with the teachers when they needed to. And I'm like, I'm good at this. I like this. I really enjoy it. So switched to education. 
And where were you at at this time? Where were you teaching at? Or um, helping I was out just, at? I, yeah, I was still in college, you know, and that's what, you know, gave me that push to the education degree. And elementary kids, I, you know, do well with. High school kids, not so much. But, um, uh, so, at least, you know, high school kids when they don't want to be somewhere. High school kids when they want to be somewhere and they're interested in it are a completely different, completely different ball game. But, so... So yeah, I, I you know I was working for uh, it was down here. Uh, I worked for Goodrich Schools and Grand Blank Schools. So um, and for our internet and for our international viewers, uh, Grand Blank, uh, you know Michigan looks like a mitten. Detroit is the most popular city in our state. Grand Blank's about what an hour? Yeah. Hour west. North. Little north. Straight north. Straight up seventy five. Oh, all right. Yep. Straight north. Yep. Just um, under Flint. Right on, right on. So that's where we're talking about here today on the drop-in with Cindy Smith. Um, so you're you're helping out teaching. You realize you really enjoy it. Right. So take that route, get the degree. I graduate when I'm eight months pregnant with my daughter, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know it was winter term. So I'm like, oh, it'll be great. I'll have till August to you know stay at home with her. And this was in. 2007, and that's when the economy started to tank, and they yeah. started doing all the teacher cuts, and I'm like, okay, I didn't get another year home, I guess, and got a couple of long-term sub-jobs here and there, but not anything, you know, permanent, and so, you know, kind of went back and forth, and so was still, you know, picking up the long-term sub-jobs, and she's in school, and when she was about four, we found out she has this allergy that we kind of stumbled across to it was just a hunch off of the the um, allergist that actually got us to pinpoint what she was reacting to that is crazy you know and with allergies my little sister uh, was allergic to like everything under the sun and and uh, Lizzie like the I'd like to the scratch test like and all that kind of stuff like that's like torture like uh, <laughs> what was that like Lizzie well, they had this thing that, like, it was all the needles at once, and they'd push it down, and it didn't hurt as bad. But then a few years ago, I had one that, like, stabbed plastic needles into me. Oh, my word. So, so you know, you're, what, four years old, and, and they got you in a torture chamber? Pretty much, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> even know how many times we went through allergy testing in that year. Now, how common or rare is this particular allergy? To the extent that she has it, it's pretty rare. Um, you know, you hear a lot about the food coloring with children with ADHD or autism, things like that, where the parents, you know, try to avoid it to help, you know, tune in those those behavioral issues. Um, and, you know, some kids will get like a rash or something like that from it. But she actually, her mouth swells up. We end up with breathing issues, blood pressure um, goes sky high and then drops her, you know, pulse ox drops. So we're in anaphylaxis. Mm, and that's scary. Yes. That is scary. Yes. I, um, I'm not allergic. I, I lactose intolerant a little bit. I grew up on soy milk, you know, but a couple of years ago, I, I don't get sick either. And I got sick about three, four years ago, and my wife gave me some Alka-Seltzer. Alka I'm in bed, and I wake up at 5 in the morning, and my lips look like, a, like I'm a Simpson. Like, they're, like, out to here. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. And I go to the doctor, and they said, you're having an allergic reaction to something in that Alka-Seltzer. We're glad you came in, because if it would have went down 
your throat may have, have closed. And uh, it was the strangest thing I'd ever experienced because I'm not allergic to anything, you know? So that's very dangerous when it starts affecting the mouth and, you know, it could be life-threatening. Yes, yes. So that's where, you know, and uh, we end up, we, we've been, we were doing all kinds of testing and she was allergic to berries. We figured that out, but we knew that there were things she was reacting to that had nothing to do with berries, um, which is common for young kids to have a berry allergy. She outgrew that, and in the time frame, they told us she was about seven years old. And uh, but so we're leaving the allergist the one day after. I don't even know how many times I'd been in there in the last like two weeks, and she, you know, had already given us our stuff to check out. We're walking up to the counter, and she pops out of her room. She goes, "It's just a hunch. Watch the food colorings." like okay you know we right. leave and I'm thinking all right all I know about food coloring is you know I put so many drops of this in and it changes my frosting or you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing and mm-hmm. you know FDA says it's safe it should be safe right you know we're, we're good you'd think right and uh, so we go to the grocery store and she goes mom I know I can't have the licorice with the strawberry on it but can I have the one with the cherry on it like, I am not getting into real and fake strawberry. But, <laughs> you know, we'll just stick with that. If you know no strawberries, we're going to stick with that. So I'm like, let me read it. And I look at it. I'm like, oh, it only has one food coloring. Sure. So um. throw it in the cart. We get home. I'm unloading groceries. So you give the kid the piece of licorice to keep them occupied while you're bringing in groceries, right? And I walk in. It's about halfway through this piece of licorice. And her lips are all puffed out. And I'm like, stop. We're going to the ER. And now I know what it is. And that's what it's right on through has been the one that's been, you know, tried and true across the board. And home was fine. I mean, you know, we had like little things that I tripped across here and there that you were like, oh, okay. But I mean, I read, I religiously read everything. Mm -hmm. And like the one point in time, we made this little bubble blower sock you see on Pinterest off of a water bottle and, you know, looks like fun, right? And it said you could use food coloring to change the color of the bubbles. Like, great way to get rid of the food coloring I can't use, right? Except the fact that your child's blowing through. And it's a four-year-old, so they also inhale when they blow through things. So, I mean, you know, just little things like that we'd have happen at home, but it wasn't, you know, overly often or anything like that. Then she goes to kindergarten. Every day. It's like a needle in a haystack. I mean, you know... I can't even begin to try to think what products and what things food coloring are in. Obviously, you're probably an expert on it by now, oh, yeah. but we don't, I mean, it's an, it's something you don't think about, ever. And, and crazy stuff, like white frosting. Why do we need red and white frosting? Right. And then you get to school and you're like, okay, so what is it? You know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of red things, but I know she, you know, she can wear red clothes and we're okay. So it's not the kids sitting next to her in a red shirt and, you know, so back and forth and trying to find out from your doctors. And the thing is, your doctors diagnose these. They don't live with it. So they can't tell you everything that it's in. And, you know, they can tell you things that they've seen, you know, that were big issues for some people. So, you know really watch the Play-Dohs or, you know, the community sandbox or, you know, something like that. And if you get a book this thick with every product in it, you're not going to know. Well, then they change ingredients. Right, 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 right. Constantly. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, Talk about a little bit about your, uh, you know, we're going to get to Chloe. 
talk about a little bit uh, your uh, training of animals, obedience right. and trick dogs yep. and this thing, and how we how we segue into your service oh. dog career. So I've always. You know, we did our own obedience training. We lived up north, so there's plenty of animals. You know, grew up with horses in my backyard, and you know, we always had dogs and cats, and tried to train the rabbit to walk on a leash, and you know, all those kinds of things. <laughs> That's you know, cool. country kids. You know, um, so we do. You know, all of that fun stuff, and so we always. You know, once your dogs know their their general obedience, you know, then you're like, all right, let's see. What can we teach them now? You know, so you start getting into all the little weird stuff, and then your dog starts doing something really cool, and you're like. All right, so we're going to start, you know, jumping through hoops, and we're going to teach them how to touch this and how to do that. And all of that comes into play with service dogs. But I'm sitting there going, I need something to help her, and I know nothing about scent. I knew obedience. I knew, you know, some fun little tricks here and there. And, you know, worked with horses, dogs, like I said, the bunny rabbits, all the little things. And, you know, learned a lot of uh, um, behavior, especially working with horses. I got a horse when I was 14 that was not the best horse. He, uh, he'd been around the block. He'd had some issues. And, you know, him and I spent more time in the dirt than did on his back, you know. So worked through a lot of that, though, and he turned out to be an amazing horse. So it was, you know, learning that behavior and that give and take and how to work with those animals. and. So, you know, I just always had that kind of thing. So I, I felt pretty, you know, comfortable and confident in that arena. But then going into a service dog, I was like, I think that's over my head right now. <laughs> well, and, and it's crazy because here on the drop in, we talk a lot about the crooked journey people take to where they're going to get to, you know, and and you are a great example of that, you know, trying out physics and then business and 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 realizing growing up in a rural area that your experience with <laughs> training rabbits to walk on leashes <laughs> is going to help down the road, but you can't predict that. You know, you can never really, uh, uh, I mean, we do things in our lives and we have experiences and we don't know which experiences are going to have long-term effects or short-term effects. We just have to experience everything and figure out what we like. And you've taken it to an extreme, especially with you, Lizzie. Lizzie, let our audiences know uh, how old you are, what grade you're in, all that kind of good stuff. So I'm 12 in seventh grade. In seventh grade. How's seventh grade going for you right now? Good. Just getting started? Middle school? Is, yeah. uh, is it your first year of middle school? Second. Second. So you're already comfortable with the flow of things and how it goes. Yeah. Well, she started last year. We started homeschooling her because we were having some issues at school that I finally just went, I, I just can't argue with the school anymore. Well, we had another great guest on our show, Leah Stefanski, and she's an entrepreneur, grew up up north and made her way to Detroit and, and worked her way through the corporate world. And now she owns, I believe, the number one hall that you would have a wedding at or any kind of uh, event in the Downriver area and bought it on a whim, her and her husband. Um, uh, their little boy, Chase, who I love, he is also homeschooled, and he is an amazing young man, an amazing young man. So I know a little bit about that. But um, so seventh grade, though, that's uh, for me, seventh grade was about when I started riding a skateboard and my whole life changed. I discovered punk rock music and skateboards and it like totally shifted gears in my whole life. So that's a very big time in your life, actually. 
And so going through all this uh, this testing and crazy feeling like a guinea pig, I mean, that had to be a, a quite a tough time for you as well, figuring it all out, you know? I mean, what was uh, the best part of it? I mean, did you get ice cream at the end of each, uh, each time or something? I don't know. You know? I don't really remember. You know? But now, you know, having it figured out a little bit, um, is, is life very difficult for you or um, you have to make choices and different kinds of things is tough easy you used to it by now it's kind of in the middle like some things I like love about it and the other things I'm like I don't want to know yeah I understand that I totally understand that um, so you've trained some animals up north you know and and now you you come across this very rare allergy how do you even think how do you even think about a service dog helping like i that wouldn't cross my mind i don't think that would cross most people's minds that a dog could sniff out food coloring I, that was kind of where we were at i'd heard about you know the peanut dogs for kids with peanut allergies and i'm going Okay, every day we're having a reaction at school. We're in it. We're we're you know fast passing the ER. You know, <laughs> like we come in, they know who we are and know the drill. And I mean, even it gets it's like I talk about it. It's in crazy stuff. It's even actually in certain milligrams of liquid prednisone. Um, yeah, the children's Benadryl has it in it. So you have to find the dye-free stuff. I mean, the stuff for allergies. I'm like, why are we adding stuff to allergy medication? that doesn't need to be in there because somebody around here is probably allergic to those additional additives that don't need to be in there. That is nuts. That is nuts. And I, I hit on that earlier, you know, when it comes to especially food coloring, you know, if you drink a bottle of like pop, who knows how many different colors they took to get Mountain Dew that green. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just green. You know, it's probably like 57 different colors, red number five, blue number seven. You know, like, it, it's crazy. And and to think of frosting, white frosting, like you said, I, most people just take it for granted. And, well, and, then, and you couldn't do that. No, and then we rolled into, you know, pencil erasers, dry erase <laughs> markers, arts and crafts products, Play-Doh, all of those kinds of things. And in kindergarten, the kids are playing with Play-Doh, and they're constantly doing arts and crafts. And, and everything goes in the mouth. <laughs> right. Everything. <laughs> yep. That's yep. how you test, see if it's right. good. You right. Know, piece of cement, ah, it's hard enough. You right. know, like everything goes in the mouth. Yep. So. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, we kind of, we were like, I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. So I started checking into things kindergarten and like I said I'd heard about him so I started calling a couple of places sending out some emails and you know my my typical you know email or, or voicemail that I would leave you know with something along the lines of you know they have a daughter who's anaphylactically allergic to red dye 40 I don't even know if this can be trained you know we had a we have a great golden retriever she's nine now but back then she was just you know I think three and uh, so I was like, well, you know, could we use her for this? What, you know, is this a possibility or do we need to get a different dog? I have no clue, you know, brand new to this. And I wouldn't even get a response back from anyone. And so kind of, you know, feel a little defeated, give up. And then you'd hit a wave of, you know, some constant reactions and frustrated and can't figure out what it is. And so started reaching out some more and, you know, finally found somebody that was willing to give it a shot. 
crazy. It's crazy. It's sort of like there was a movie, I think it was late 70s, John Travolta, The Boy in the Bubble. It was a crazy movie. He was allergic to everything. And he had to live in this bubble and everybody, nobody could touch him. And uh, not to quite that extent, Lizzie, but still, you have to, it was almost like everything you ever picked up. You'd have to go, Mom, you know, can you check? Even now, you know, I mean, anything i mean you pick up a cell phone you might have to like check the what they made the case out of in case you touch your fingers and touch your mouth you know that's it's it's got to be tough for you yeah i mean uh, day to day uh, do you is it easier for you to be in a routine of using the exact same things or is it reading labels every time a little bit of both it's kind of easier sometimes to find newer things so, like, read the labels and find newer things that we can, like, bring into the routine. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because you, you want to not limit yourself that much. And you still want to live life and enjoy the this awesome thing called life. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it, it is insane to me that dogs can sniff out peanuts and sniff out this. and But food dye and and it's so rare like you said you were getting crickets on the other end of the line not even a callback yep nothing so what happens then so i happened to contact this company that was you know here in michigan and was like hey so you know here's the situation gave him the rundown and i got told well i'm willing to give it a shot but we need to find out first if food coloring has an odor because if it doesn't have an odor, dog can't smell it. So some research went on, and I get a call back, and they're like, yep, it's got an odor. We've tried it out on, you know, one of uh, the trainer's pet dogs. They worked through it with her, and and she was, you know, picking it out of, of like, basically kind of like, you know, the shell game where you shuffle them all mm-hmm. around. So she'd have those out there, and she was picking it out, you know, every time. So they're like, yeah, this, this can be done. And so we started down that journey of, of, you know, attempting to get it done and finding red dye 40 and mixing it up was, that was fun. Because you have to have pure red dye 40, so you can't just go to the grocery store and buy the little bottle of food coloring. Because if I remember correctly, I want to say it's red 40 and red 3 or 33, and then it has alcohol in it. And so when you're training a dog on something, you want only that item. Right. You don't want other things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the the cool things, another fact about dogs and the way they smell, they smell the way we see. Uh, can you elaborate yes. on that a little bit? Because I'm confused. Our viewers might, um, if yep. you're not confused, rock and roll. I'm confused. Yep. So the analogy we like to use is stew. So you have stew cooking in the kitchen. I come walking on in and I'm like, Oh, somebody's making stew, smells good. Wonder what's in that stew. So I start stirring through, looking and going, oh, there's carrots and celery and potatoes and, you know, the things. Um, you know, maybe I can smell some garlic or, you know, some spices. But the dog walks in right off of their nose. They decipher all of those things individually. So they smell the carrots individually, the potatoes, hmm. the meat, every seasoning that's in there. And they smell them all separate. It makes sense. I don't know how they do it, but it makes sense. I, it has to do with, you know, the whole, there's the Jacobson's organ and the way they move things through. Ah, the yeah, Jacobson's yeah, yeah. organ. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I, the whole time. I was just sandbagging. Where are you? Where are you? Yeah. 
So there's there's a whole you know thing to the way their their olfactory system is built that allows them to be able to decipher those things out and then commit certain scents to long term memory. All right. So you know that's kind of how we you know we we go we roll with that. But that's so that's you know the general idea of that's how they smell these things. So that's why I can take something that has you know 25 ingredients in it, present it to Chloe, and she'll tell me. Yep, that's got it in it, or nope, doesn't have it in it. But, and that is why you had to get, like, pure red dye number whatever. You 40. couldn't just buy <laughs> the generic version at the grocery store. So what are you doing? Like, reaching out to manufacturers? What are you doing to get this? Amazon. <laughs> of course. <laughs> How did I not know? I found, I... It, I found it on Amazon, and it comes in this big tub, and it comes as a powder. Don't we still have that original tub? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's this big tub, and it comes as a powder, and you only need a little bit. You know, you don't need much. You just need a little bit. You could only order like the the five pound jug <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't remember. It's about you know, a big round canister, and and uh, it is a still. It's it's in like four different Ziploc bags on top of my cupboard, so that there's no contamination whatsoever. Right. Um, but uh, so you take a little bit of wet gauze, and we mix this red dye forty up to put it in the the thing, and. We originally did it over at the trainer's house, and she's calling me, she's like, oh my gosh, it's four days later, every time I wipe off my counters, they turn red. Oh and I'm going, really? She's like, yeah. So this is the first time we mixed up. Second time we mixed up, I tried to do it in my bathroom. So I went to the master bathroom, like the one she's usually not in. Same type of problem. Every time, you know, brush your teeth, you get that little drip of water on the counter that little drip of water would turn red. It was for like a month. So after that, when I had to mix it up, I don't do it at home anymore. So the one time we were camping, it looked like somebody got murdered in that bathroom. Because <laughs> you're trying to sprinkle just this little bit out, and it just puffs, and it goes everywhere. And uh, we even did a, we used that one winter to uh, show how scent travels and how allergens and things like that, how easy it is to contaminate stuff. So. My friends, we were at her house, and her son stood in the driveway and dropped about a handful of that, that dye in it. We found it. Oh, my gosh, her driveway was red all winter. We found it probably a good 30, 40 feet span sideways and all the way out to the road just from that one handful so that people could understand how cross-contamination works because we don't just train for... You know, Red Day 40, we also train gluten detection dogs. We train, you know, the peanut detection dogs. We even go into medical, you know, um, alert dogs and things like that. But, you know, for cross-contamination, because you can think, okay, this is fine. Or even I've had um, times where you have the dog check something and they alert because it's the outside of the package is contaminated. Mm. So, you know, if Joey was, you know, eating Skittles while he's stocking the shelves. Right, right. There we go. Now it's on the, the package. And so you're working with this service dog company. Mm-hmm. You're, yep. you, you finally have it narrowed down. Yep. You know what you have to do. Yep. How do you get there? And who is the dog that gets you there? Well, we actually had a border collie that my daughter named Skittles. Ironically, with yes. tons of the red dye. Well, Skittles. I named him Skittles because he was smelling Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> and she couldn't have Skittles, so at least this way she could have Skittles. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, you know, so we, we started with him, and um, he was really good at his job. He, however, this is where this journey with service dogs can get sticky. He could do his job well. He just didn't like to go in public. Oh. 
So we started having issues with he would get diarrhea. So he had anxiety of going in public. I can't have a service dog that doesn't that can't leave the house. Right. You can control your environment. You can't control this yes. environment. And that's what I needed him for. Mm -hmm. So we ended up, we made a tough decision. We ended up, um, I kind of took over my mom's dog for a couple of years <laughs> and uh, um, trained him on it because he was a little bit older so that we could kind of go a little faster, you know, with it. So I trained him on the, the die and um, we ended up rehoming Skittles because there was a little bit of jealousy going on between the two dogs. And I'm like, okay, service dogs also can't show aggression. So I don't want that to turn into a problem. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, it was a tough call to make, but I'm like, you need this dog. It would be great if we could have kept him, but you know, the need came before the want. So we rehomed him. He lives down in Texas right now. Happy as a clam, has a great time, plays Frisbee, loves it. Um, cool. Very cool. Now, how how does a dog, you said, like, certain sense, like, long-term <laughs> memory, how do you train a dog, a particular dog, to be able to point out a scent, point out anything, right. drugs, what, whatever? Yeah. How do so you train them we, to do that? We pretty much do it the same way the drug detection dogs do it. The only difference in our training is they don't like to get down to trace amounts so they don't want drug detection dogs the police don't want the dog to point out the baggie that you know the drugs were in they want the drugs in the bag you know the mm -hmm. baggie that it was in you're telling me that there's drugs that that doesn't do me any good because there's nothing physically there they don't want the dogs down to trace we do mm -hmm. so we start off with the same theory so you take that pure scent and basically we teach them um we teach them something we want them to do to tell us so it's called their alert um, Chloe's is a paw touch, so we taught her the paw touch, and then you teach her how, you know, you have them smell it, we reward them for it, and then we pair that paw touch with the scent. So you have them smell the scent, reward the scent, ask them for the paw touch, reward that, and they start taking out that middle reward, so they have to smell the scent, give you the paw, and then they get their reward. All right. Well, I think uh, in a few minutes, we have a video of, of Chloe. Mm -hmm. Actually, with some strawberries, because I was I I was watching it and and you're explaining what's going on in the video. I, I wasn't sure what the paw touch was on the lid, and then the little treats in between and whatnot. And you basically just gave us the rundown. Can we check out that video? Uh, let's and you can explain as we're watching. Here's Chloe right here. Yes, good girl. Those are non-organic. Those are conventional strawberries. They'd been in the refrigerator for a little while, so they kind of smelled a little alcohol -y, so we had to use the lid instead of the whole container. And these are organic. Good girl. So she doesn't watch me when it doesn't have it in it. So she makes eye contact. Oh. So if, if that strawberry would have had red dye number 40, mm -hmm. she would have hit it with her paw? Yep. Like, enough to knock it out of your hand? Like, don't touch it, lady. <laughs> Sometimes, Sometimes she flings she... it across the kitchen. No way. <laughs> That's not ideal. Preferably, we just want, but sometimes she, she gets really excited. She's like, bam, and you weren't expecting that big of a paw touch from that little of a dog. And, you know, especially when you do candy canes, like at Christmas time, she loves to make the candy canes fly. Oh, well, I know she's crashed out right now, but can we get her on camera at all? Yeah. Cool. 
here is the star, the real star of the show right here. This is Chloe, and hopefully you all are clapping at home right now because you should be. She's saving lives, especially Lizzie's, and, and that's so rad. So rad. Thank you, Chloe, for being here today. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you very much. So she is a pretty amazing dog. How, how old is young Chloe? Five. Yeah. I, 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 we were talking about that earlier. I'm like, I swear, between like two and ten, I'm like, darn it, how old is the dog? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pay attention up till two, and I'm like, wait, 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 how old are they now? So, yeah, she's five. Um, we got her uh, right before she turned two. So, she came to us a little older. She had, she's had a little bit of a past herself. She got bounced around from a couple of people and then landed with us, and the Here's where she is. <laughs> now, um, was she easy to train? Are some dogs easier than others? Like, uh, you know, I don't know. I have no yes. clue again. <laughs> yes, they are. There's, there's, and you need a dog that, you know, you would think is a service dog. And, you know, Chloe's laying here just hanging out. You know, you want your dog to kind of be invisible and blend into the environment as a service dog. We try not to be obtrusive. Um, but... You also need a dog that has enough drive, which drive comes from, it, it kind of ties in a little bit with energy. That dog that just wants to lay on the couch, could care less about the treats or the ball or the toy. People think, oh, that'll make a great service dog. Look how calm he is, nothing bothers him. I can't train that dog. I need a motivator. So that drive is kind of like their motivator. So, you know, you have to have a dog that like really likes food, really likes toys so that we can train them. And with that sometimes comes a lot of energy. Like you would never believe Chloe every morning when we get ready to go outside to go to the bathroom, literally jumps over my couch to get to the door. <laughs> you know, she doesn't like to walk anywhere. She would prefer to run, you know, as opposed to walk. So she's, you know, bouncing off the walls at home. But when it's time for her to do her job, she's you know, right. nice and relaxed and, and you know, does what she needs to do. Um, and then, you know, goes into personality, too. Like, we talked about the one dog who had social anxiety. We were great up until we put together that this is why we're having these mm -hmm. issues. It has mm -hmm. to do with public. It doesn't have to do with anything else. So, that, you know, that's not going to work out. Um Hunting breeds tend to be better for scent detection. Um, we also have had um, some great, great success with uh, a breeder, a particular breeder who does Aussie Doodles. There's quite a few uh, service dog trainers that we've used her, you know, for quite a, quite a few dogs. Um, so you know, it, it depends on. Mostly, it depends on the person's needs. So, what are we looking at that we need? What you know, our dog's capable of. Like the one, actually the picture that was just up, she had a service dog who, poor thing, he was he was a rescue dog and uh, he was a little over two and she calls me the one night, she's like, I think he just had a seizure. And I went, okay, what happened? You know, so she tells me and so I'm like, okay, so here's the things, you know, if this, this or this happens, then yes, I would take him into the emergency vet, but as of right now, you know, there's no need to do that, just, Keep an eye on him. Call the vet in the morning. You know, probably get him in. And uh, turns out he has an autoimmune encephalitis. So basically, he ha he his body makes too much eosinophils, 
in his spinal column, which puts pressure on the nerves, which causes him to have seizures. Oh. And we have a saying in the service dog industry that you can't have a service dog that needs a service dog. So, <laughs> Very true. So, you know, he had to retire early. Um, he also, when he started this, forgot everything. Like, he even forgot where his water bowl was in his house. Oh, man. And so... She, however, has multiple chronic illnesses. This dog kept her alive and literally kept her alive. And that first week without him, after I believe it was their third trip to the emergency room from her getting a concussion and she had, um, I think she had ruptured her retina and, you know, so, you know, lots of things there. Um, Cause her mom was like, well, I need a dog now. And I'm, I said, I understand, but there's not a magic wand, you know, you can try, call around to, you know, the other companies, see if somebody has something, but there tends to be quite a few year wait list. And the issue gave me kind of an impossible task. She's like, here's what I want. She's like, we need a dog, you know, enough to do all the things. I'm like, yeah, she goes, but my doctors want me to have something that's a little more hypoallergenic now. I'm like, okay, so I'm thinking poodle, right? What's the one? There's one like something doodle. There's, oh, there's, 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 everything's a doodle now. We can doodle it all. A friend of mine <laughs> has a, a daughter yeah. who is a special needs young lady. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, I don't know. Lab Probably a golden doodle or something. Something like yeah. that. They had to drive like hundreds of miles to get this dog. And they're like, it's hypoallergenic. And, and it, she doesn't react to it. It works right. out, you know? Yeah. So. But yeah, so she's like, she doesn't like poodles or doodles. And I'm like, okay. What are we gonna do here? So we start. I start doing a bunch of research, trying to figure something out, and so we come across a wire-haired Vishla. Mm. It's a Hungarian hunting dog. Yes, it is. I and, know what that dog yes, is. And it has a lot of energy. And they will knock you down if you run next to them. They'll keep leaning into your knees because it's a it's like a herding dog. So that I've been knocked down by one Have of those you? a few times. So he she needed some mobility, but she's a tiny little thing, so he doesn't need to be huge. But she needed. And that was as big as we could get with the things that we needed. Um, so she needed some mobility. We needed five medical alerts and, you know, the dog to be able to retrieve things and stuff like that. So I needed a dog that could keep up with her. So I needed a dog with that much energy. I mean, there's days, it was just recently, um, I believe she had told me he did 25 medical alerts that day on her. What? Yes. That is, you know, you say life-saving, and I think certain terms get kicked around and are, 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 are overused. Yes. That is proof of serious life-saving on the hour. I mean, twice an hour, that would be. Yes. It, it, that's if she's awake 24 he, hours. He even, so she also has this thing. She had to have a diaphragm pacemaker put in over the winter because she, she has dysautonomia but she has multiple parts of her body that don't work correctly. So dysautonomia is those autonomic functions like breathing, your heart beating, mm-hmm. blinking, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yep. Those don't work properly on her. So literally, unless she was consciously thinking to breathe, she wouldn't breathe. So at night, sleeping, multiple times she would not breathe. She'd wake up in the morning. She couldn't see. We, yeah, so her other dog did it. We came up with, it took me consulting another service dog trainer in the UK to figure out how to get this trained for her. And we start off, we're like, okay, we're gonna hope that we can get him to pick up on it on his own. Basically, we're putting him in a dog bed right next to your head at night. And, you know, let's go from there. And 
we didn't know. It took a lot of studies for them to figure out exactly what was going on with her and what was happening with it. But we knew she stops breathing at night and, like we said, literally keeping her alive. Um, and she has POTS, which is a neurologic cardiac disorder where her heart rate will spike and her blood pressure drops and they pass out. So, like, you know, saying that he literally keeps her alive. Um, oh. Okay. And also has uh, mast cell activation syndrome to where, like, she'll have anaphylactic reactions to nothing. Like, there's no reason to have it. The mast cells just activate. So, um, so yeah. So, when we say, you know, life-saving, and we've got dogs that, um, quite a few that have that alert to seizures. Wow. So, even at that, um, there was the one picture that was going through earlier was one of our, my clients, her daughter, um, she has a genetic form of epilepsy. When that child sees us, she sees us for over two hours. She's had her service dog for almost two years now. She has not had a full convulsive seizure since she's had her service dog. She's had some absence, but we can't stop all the neurologic activity going, but yeah. I love it. I love it. And you, we haven't even hit on Michigan Service Dogs LLC. Right. Because uh, going through all this, you have figured out a way and I mean, you know, obviously you're passionate about it. You have figured out a way to uh, make it a business yeah. and make it your business. Can you talk a little bit about Michigan Service Dogs LLC? And that's a huge jump. I mean, just yes. to start any business, but to be almost directed that di- directed to that divinely right. is is a little bit uh, crazy. It, it was. So the company I was working for, uh, we also trained gluten detection dogs and all kinds of things. It wasn't. We started in October, September, October, I believe, with her first service dog. Um, by January, I was returning phone calls and emails for the company. By the end of February, beginning of March, I had started actually training with them. So <laughs> rolled on into it. So I worked under them for a couple of years, you know, a couple of great trainers. Um, I had learned a lot. And came a time where I was going, okay, I'm doing a giant chunk of the work, and I'm not getting much of the money, and I have a child at home, and I'm a single mom, and the hours aren't, this just isn't working for me. And so one of the things, so like I said, we trained gluten detection dogs. At that point in time, there was only two of us in the country that were training it. Wow. And I knew how and to do it. And that became huge. Yes. I mean, that really came like a wave. And it's still, you know, the, still the funny thing is, is there's there's been some out there that we've seen on um, different TV shows and stuff, and they talk about how they train it. And one of the things is um, the original company, so when I said there's two companies that train it, the original company was the two companies that were training it. So they were together, they split, and then I ended up branching off as well. But... Um, so actually the first gluten detection dog in the US was trained by the one trainer from the company. So, you know, we were at the forefront of that. Well, her son is a chemist. So he figured out how to completely isolate gluten for us because you can't just go buy gluten. I can't even imagine. No. I so, can't even imagine. So we have to actually make gluten. And there's, you know, there's some videos on YouTube and stuff, but it doesn't get you all the way down to that pure form. So there's a few of us that know how to get it all the way down there, you know, to, to that completely pure form because then they have to also proof their dogs because they're made with, with wheat gluten. So they also have to proof their dogs off of only wheat because you can have now... There will be wheat and things that is gluten-free because they have gluten-removed wheat. 
So, <laughs> right. Right. You know, it just takes that whole food coloring. I mean, I yeah. this whole conversation uh, from the red dye 40 that Lizzie is deathly allergic to, mm -hmm. to the gluten, to it all goes to quality of life. Yes. It really does. Yes. And, and what these animals are doing is helping individuals have a better quality of life. And with Michigan Service Dogs LLC, you get to help so many people do that so thank you very yes. much for doing those things and it, it is incredible to me this is all new this mm -hmm. whole show the research i did before the show it's brand new to me i've seen some great service dogs in the recovery industry when people are are either uh, getting clean from you know drugs or alcohol service dogs play a huge role in that in helping them relax mm -hmm. and helping them calm down and in the emotional side of it they're they're huge. Yes. They're huge. And you're explaining to, to myself, along with our, our viewers across the world, that they're breaking boundaries. I mean, I guess they can smell blood, too, or something now? What is oh, that? they can smell all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's all, there's even cancer detection dogs, yeah. so they can smell cancer cells, um, you know, all, all kinds of things. And the the seizure alert dogs, for years in the service dog industry, everybody's like, the dog has to be a natural alerter. Well... They've been training it in the UK off of scent for probably about 10, 15 years. Mm. Um, and so, and one of the things we found that we found interesting is I have dogs that we've trained to detect migraines ahead of time. Um, right, so we've got the seizures. So now we got four-legged Nostradamus kicking. <laughs> right, right. I mean, those migraines can be completely debilitating, you know, it's, and so they'll uh, alert to migraines. She actually has a, um, Photic sensitivity with a migraine variant. So there's a lot of big words there. So basically, certain light frequencies, her brain syncs with the light frequency. So it'll cause her to have staring spells that resemble an absent seizure, and then she gets a migraine afterwards. She can also get dizzy and things like that from it, which is why we have a golden doodle at home now who is kind of starting to take over for Chloe because if she gets dizzy and she needs something to balance on, Chloe's a little small for that. Uh, so yeah. so we trained a, a bigger dog for that, so we did a golden doodle. Um, but we found all those neurologic disorders, the dogs alert on across the board. So when, you know, my one little one who is, you know, has a lot of neurologic activity going on that day, all my neurologic dogs are alerting away. Right. So we're like, okay, so this is the same odor for all these neurologic things. It's just gotta be affecting a different part you know, of the nervous system. I'm envisioning like the craziest stuff. Like right. I, I have a very active imagination, right, right. you know, like uh, uh, when when people are at a certain age, they get put in a room with like dogs or, or something okay. and they can alert on like before medical doctors can, these dogs will tell you what you might have, what's going on, exactly where your blood's right. at <laughs> and how your balance is. And they might give you the winning lottery numbers. They might even tell you who your wife's going to be or husband and probably what kind of car you're going to drive in about 45 years. Right. That's what you're telling me these dogs can do. Pretty much. I mean, that's, you know, well, I'll tell you who your significant other will be because they don't like your dog. <laughs> you know, they're not coming along. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. So, Lizzie, how's this journey been for you? You know, I mean, it has to be, obviously, it's all you know because you've, you've lived it your whole life. But does Chloe stay with you 24 7? Not all the time. No? Um, so, 
uh, you know, you uh, you have lived this, so you don't know any other way to live. But um, uh, does it get easier, harder, or is it just it is what it is? Like when you start, you think it's going to be great, and it gets hard, and then like when your dog's finished and everything, it's like really easy. That's very cool. So what are your interests? What do you want to do when you grow up? Got any ideas? Want to be a chef? You want to be a dog trainer? You want to be an astronaut? Dog behaviorist or an equine chiropractor? An equine chiropractor. So you want to work on horses' backs. All right. First time I ever heard that. First time ever. She rides horses and shows horses as well. Oh, so that's very yes. cool. That's very cool. Well, we're coming down to the last couple minutes of this episode of The Drop-In here at the NRM Studios. And I cannot thank you guys enough. You know, this has been very educational. And it also, uh, hopefully for our viewers, eye-opening. If you have any kind of issue going on that you have to be on guard 24-7, you can reach out to Cindy at Michigan Service Dogs LLC and see if she can help you. How can people get a hold of you online or, or however? What's the easiest way? We are on, I'm on Facebook, I am on Instagram. I do have a Twitter, but it doesn't. that's not as easy <laughs> to message back and forth. Email, um, the phone number that is on my website is my cell phone, so you can even text me, call me. And the, know, website, the website is michiganservicedogsllc.com? I don't think the LLC is on there, is it? No. I, think, I believe it's michiganservicedogs.com. Yes, it is. Yep, and then yep, yep. Your, your Facebook handle? Facebook handle, I believe, is miservicedogs.com. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, if you yep. got, if anybody, anybody has things in their lives that they have to be on guard 24-7, and you think, you think a service animal could make your quality of life better, reach out to Cindy, man, because I'm sure Lizzie and even Cindy didn't think, well, I think a dog, well, you just heard the story. It, will, uh, it was like a last resort. Maybe an animal could smell this, or it just, it, it came about. So if anything is going on in your life that you think an animal might help, give her a call. Talk to Cindy and see if maybe this will help you enjoy this life. Because like I said, this isn't a dress rehearsal. It's your choice to make the most of this world. Cindy, thank you so much. Lizzie, thank you so much. And Chloe. Thank you, you awesome, awesome little person. And thank you guys, man. This show just keeps getting better. So make sure to share it and stay tuned for more of the drop-in from the NRM studios. I am Gerald Valley, and this has been the drop-in.